first. This is News Talk K57. KGUM AM. Hagatnya Guam. News Talk K57. I'm Tyron Titano, Director of the Bureau of Statistics and Plans, and uh, as you know, every Tuesday evening, I host the show to examine uh, our data, uh, to listen to people with authority, and to uh, go deep into uh, subjects that may not make the top of the line of the news, but uh, are of interest to uh, many people. On uh, tonight's show, after the uh, 7 o'clock news, we're going to have on uh, Bernie Guinness and her team from the 2020 Census of Guam. Uh, which is now back into full swing. Uh, it took a hiatus of about seven weeks at the height of the um, public health emergency, and they're uh, but they're back and they're you know, retooled and uh, going out to the field again, and setting up uh, a new process for uh, collecting data and responses for the 2020 Census of Guam. And we'll be talking to her, as I said, after the seven o'clock news. Um, uh, coming up soon, well, hopefully we'll be calling soon. Was Chief Dan Stone of the Fire Department. Um, we are broadcasting now on News Talk K57 and simulcast on GTA Channel 3 and Docomo Channel 2. Um, we're, we're discussing with Chief Dan Stone um, the current state of the fire department, and particularly their new ambulance fleet, which is being boosted this month. And whatever issues that, um, that's on the Chief's mind or under your mind, if any of you have any, at any point in the conversation, either with uh, Bernie Guinness and the 2020 Census of Guam team, which will be... Uh, taken up after the 7 o'clock news over with Chief Dan Stone, uh, feel free to call in at 477-5757. That's 477-5757 as we uh, discuss both uh, issues of regarding the 2020 Census of Guam and and the safety of the people of Guam, which we'll hope to take up with Chief Dan Stone, who I believe is calling in uh, uh, any minute now. Um, the One of the things that... Um, is as um, not people fully appreciate is to the degree to which uh, the bureau is engages with uh, criminal justice and law enforcement agents part of the normal grants and uh, uh, and and really on those and a number of issues we work cl- very closely with a number of public safety agencies including the fire department as we're joined by the current chief of the Guam Fire Department Chief Dan Stone uh, Chief are you there? I am. Good evening, Tyrone. How are you doing? Uh, doing okay. Well, I've asked you to come on the show because. Uh, this is going to turn out to be one of those good months for the uh, Guam Fire Department as you get an addition of, uh, by the end of the month, a total of seven new ambulances. Um, That's correct. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. Yeah. A mixture of uh, joint efforts. Uh, uh, three were acquired uh, through um, through local funds by Chief Dan Stone, and the other four uh, was um, uh, procured by the Bureau of Statistics and Plans utilizing a federal grant that came in one of the um, various CARES packages passed by Congress. And we got a $2.9 million grant to, for a response to the COVID-19 uh, uh, crisis, with, uh, uh, primarily for criminal justice agents, but also for first responders. 
and uh, and discussing it with um, with the first responder agencies such as the fire department, we carved up uh, enough money for an additional four ambulances. And so the, right now, the first three that was bought under uh, local funds is, is is here, and one of the four uh, ambulances bought with federal funds is here, and the remaining three should be in, I believe, sometime next week, and hopefully get on the uh, uh, on the field. Uh, Chief, before these, these seven ambulances arrived here, how many ambulances did the fire department have? So the uh, Saguaro Fire Department typically operates with uh, with seven uh, ambulances um, in the field. Mm. Um, and so we've been operating with the seven ambulances. So these, these seven ambulances that we do have coming in once the uh, once their balance of the three come in, um, will basically augment the fleet that we currently have um, to continue the response to the COVID-19. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, um, the EMS system has been uh, has been seeing the uptick in responses. Uh, we usually average about an eighteen thousand, uh, about eighteen thousand calls per year. Uh, a lot of that related to EMS, and since the COVID, uh, we've seen a huge uptick in that response. And so, uh, these these additional ambulances will definitely help us uh, continue that response and uh, you know provide the timely responses and uh, put the state of the art equipment in the hands of our professional firefighters and EMTs. Uh, we're availing ourselves of the latest in technology as far as, you know, uh, the, the state-of-the-art gurneys that we have uh, mm-hmm. that came along with them. Um, so mm-hmm. we're very excited about uh, this edition, and we have your office and you to thank for that, as well as uh, several other people, uh, several other agencies that were instrumental in helping us achieve this uh, this this goal. Well, as you know, and Chief, so, yeah, as you know, Chief Stone, uh, all of us, including you and me, are operating under the director by Governor Lee and Guerrero to work together to solve problems. So this sort of teamwork is, is certainly something that uh, the governor has, uh, has uh, given us the mandate to do. And so uh, very pleased to be on the same team as you and helping to solve some of this problem. I, I, I was struck, though, when you said there, the, the, the fire terminal only fields seven ambulances. Essentially, you've gotten a brand-new replacement fleet, uh, basically. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And when was the last time that, that happened to the fire department? I can't recall. I mean, they, they bought new ambulances in, in, at, at, in spurts or another, maybe at most three or four, but to, give, to replace the entire fleet. Like in one fell swoop, it's, it's, it's kind of it's remarkable. It's been quite a while since we last replaced the, uh, our ambulances, and uh, so they are definitely uh, coming to their service life. Uh, as you can imagine, um, you know, as the example, the average person drives their car about ten thousand miles a year. Each one of our ambulances, uh, on average, are putting in about thirty thousand miles per year. So, um, a lot of maintenance that goes into it. Uh, you know, and you know, I, I got to thank our maintenance uh, department. Our mechanics that do a phenomenal job in maintaining the fleet, keep it uh, keep it operational and, and response ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you can, you, as you can um, you can tell, we're very happy to have these uh, these new additions. So, uh, because what will happen to the old ambulances? What will happen to the old ambulances? Would they be like be uh, sort of uh, maintained and, and as a sort of a backup for the new ambulances, or how how would that work out? Yeah, so ideally what we would like to do is be able to take uh, some of the older ambulances um, and uh, take them offline as the new ambulances come into play um, and do an assessment on them, uh, provide them the maintenance that, they've, uh, that they uh, direly need, um, you know, do an assessment for serviceability and service life, and if it looks like something that we can keep in, in inventory and continue uh, operations with, uh, we'll do that, and if it's something that we may need to survey and take out of service, uh, we'll make that decision at, at that time. Mm. Um, but well, nice to have options. Sorry, sir. nice to have options. It's it's very nice to have options, and then uh, obviously we'd like to have some ambulances in reserve so that um, 
as the new ambulances go in for service, uh, their warranty services and things of that nature, uh, we would have that backup ambulance uh, ready to fill that station. Uh, so we continue our service. There is no break in service. Um, earlier on, you touched on some of the features of the new ambulances. One of them is that I, for the first time I saw them myself in the um, presentation of the governor uh, yesterday were these new powered gurneys. How are they different from the um, old gurney, gurneys that are normally in the ambulances? Oh, yeah. So these, so these new power gurneys are, are a huge improvement uh, to, our, uh, to our inventory, uh, mostly in the, uh, in the aspects of providing firefighter safety. Uh, the older gurneys were uh, of such that it would take two firefighters to actually um, maneuver the gurney, load the gurney, unload the gurney uh, from the ambulance, uh, and especially when you have a patient on, on the gurney, to be able to, uh, to uh, collapse it and then load it into the ambulance uh, would take a considerable amount of, of uh, staffing to do that. The two, uh, the two EMTs would actually have to do that together. Uh, what we were able to procure with this purchase is uh, power gurneys, uh, which are battery-operated and um, electronically-assisted. Uh, so when they when they do load a patient, basically it's one attendant that can uh, operate uh, the buttons and lift or lower, and then as they uh, approach the ambulance, uh, uh, they're able to hook it up to the ambulance and load it much easier, um, thereby minimizing firefighter injuries. Like back problems, back everything, and, right? Back, shoulders, things of that nature, and so... Um, being able to uh, provide that longevity to our firefighters by, you know, uh, minimizing those types of injuries uh, is obviously a plus for the uh, for the department. So this is these, our firefighters. So these ambulances are not only good for the health of the patients, but good for the health of the firefighters who uh, man them. Yeah, it's a win all around. Absolutely. Mm. You know, uh, as per the part of the. Um, of the uh, federal grant uh, which the Bureau secured here. Uh, the first uh, thing was applies to acquire these additional ambulances, but uh, we're also in the process of, uh, as you know, Chief, of procuring um, um, two command vehicles and as part of an effort to uh, as basically force more suppliers for the use of the ambulances. Why don't you explain to our listeners how that would work? Yeah, you know, and again, I can't thank uh, thank DSP and everybody associated with this particular effort because, uh, yeah, as as you're, I'm sure you're aware, um, since the onset of the COVID-19, uh, the commander vehicles have, I mean, the commanders have had additional responsibilities uh, with regards to responding out with um, with our COVID transport units. But also so, the uh, the ambulances themselves have to be uh, uh, sanitized uh, to a large degree after each run than before, right? And um, and this and these and uh, giving that and it's not always possible given the steady rush of uh, calls to return to the fire station to do that sanitation. But with these vehicles, they can meet them at the hospital and provide the university resupplies and sanitations, and so they can uh, do a quick turnaround at the hospitals itself and go back They're on the field. Spot and, on time, absolutely. Know. So that is, yes, you've done your homework. <laughs> uh, well, I, 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 since the bureau had to actually procure these things, it was useful to. To get over the details, so, um, so that's what I sort of meant by as a false multiplier. It 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 increases the response rates of these ambulances uh, by by cutting down the turnaround time uh, they would normally take. I mean, um, particularly as, as you know, I, I knew this when I was um, was a hospital administrator way back in the '90s. But the calls on those ambulances, as soon as they get to um, to GMH and drop off a patient, there is already a pending call for them to go straight out. Uh, as soon as possible, and then anything that can be done to cut down that turnaround time so they can respond is 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 particularly helpful and uh, builds up a, a capacity for um, uh, for these uh, 
uh, for the response fleet and on, um, on your uh, and your ambulance fleet. Um, what what is it? Um, you know, we've had this at that meeting yesterday with um, with the um, with the governor there. Um, you know, some uh, she she talked about identifying other federal funds, or giving us the the instruction to go find some federal funds too. Uh, also address some of the um, uh, other uh, equipment needs of the fire department. From from your perspective, what does the fire department need uh, from for the future? Yeah, so you're absolutely correct, and and I can't appreciate enough uh, all the efforts uh, that we're uh, as you said this this whole one one government um, uh, mentality no we've adopted yeah. under our administration is is uh, really helping out because we're all being very cooperative. We're we're helping each other out when we uh, are looking through different documents to say, hey, I might have something that uh, fits your line of business. Um, I want to take a look at it. And so, um, kind of to your point, uh, this is exactly what we're looking uh, looking at. And so. Uh, all of the Guam Fire Department has, uh, you know, we've made significant improvements uh, to maintain our fleet uh, mm -hmm. and our service programs. Uh, the island, the island lends to some brutal conditions uh, for these apparatuses, uh, from hard water to the high temperatures and corrosion and decomposition factors. You know, so uh, to include our humidity and moisture. Mm -hmm. So they 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 take it they take their beating on these apparatus uh, just from the environment. Now go ahead and respond them to a, a fire ground where they actually have to engage pumps, discharge water, pull equipment. Uh, you know, so these apparatus go through the ringer. Uh, and so um, it's been a while since we've been able to replace our fire trucks as well. So that would definitely be the next line of effort mm -hmm. for the Guam Fire Department is trying to uh, replenish that fleet of uh, fire apparatus. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are uh, working very collaboratively to uh, to explore those areas where we can uh, identify some funding to be able to get that next generation of uh, fire apparatus. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we're, that's where the efforts are at. Um, we are also in the process of trying to get some fire uh, tanker trucks, um, as well as uh, smaller structural and wildland interface uh, pumpers as well. Mm. You know, so, you know, we're just striving very hard to provide uh, the state-of-the-art equipment and placing it in, in the hands of our firefighters, our EMTs. Um, you know, just like our 911 dispatchers, we have the next-gen uh, system that we're, we're almost ready to uh, award, uh, so we can put the latest technology in their hands. Well, for the uh, listeners, to be able to, uh, Chief, for the listeners, probably you ought to explain what next gen is. Uh, so the next generation 911 system, uh, that's the, the state of the art 911 system, uh, and really the most the most significant improvement to that system is the ability to uh, basically triangulate a cell phone. So if somebody calls in on the 911 system via cell phone, we can actually pinpoint their location using GPS technology. Mm -hmm. um, the other huge benefit to this uh, system as well is going to be the text to 911 so that our 911 dispatchers can actually receive text 911 notification. Mm. Um, we're going to be getting, uh, over also going to be procuring uh, a CAD system, which is a computer-aided dispatching system, which, um, which definitely assists our dispatchers in uh, providing more efficient, more um, expedient uh, dispatching services to our uh, responders. Um, I want if I, you know, I can brag all uh, all night about uh, the things that our 911 dispatchers do up there with uh, the well, legacy system that they've been working with. Well, um, take your shot. You know, this is phenomenal this, work up there. Well, this is this is your chance to go on, on public air and thank all the uh, hardworking <laughs> people in the fire department <laughs> to do something. One one of the reasons thank why you, I do this show. Is to is to provide a, a platform for um, for people like you and people in, in, in the field and immerse in 
in the nuts and bolts of, uh, of operations not only in the government but other, for education and research to go at length to discuss issues that normally does is uh, you either can't get a, a couple column inches in the newspaper or a 30 second sound bite to do that there it's kind of because of the some of the stuff that is my agency does and your agency does it's 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 uh, it's sort of hard to explain some of it, you know, in uh, in in like a quick soundbite here, and this is the chance to do it. So this is your chance to explain what the transition is and why that's so important from the current nine one one system uh, to this new generation nine one one system here, which have all sorts of features, including being able to figure out where the call is coming from. So if it was somebody in medical stress or an emergency, you'd be able to respond to them quickly enough, which is. Uh, no small uh, value added to the, our public safety response. So, Absolutely. and by all the way, this is also a good place for you to thank people too. So, no, I'm sorry, I missed that last part. So, and this is also a good place for you to thank people too for all their hard work. So, feel free to oh, do yeah. so. Yes. So, you know, the Guam Fire Department in its entirety has been doing phenomenal work, especially since the onset of the COVID-19 response, uh, the pandemic, um, from our EM. Our EM EMS uh, Bureau, to our Operations Bureau of Suppressions, uh, our maintenance, our everybody, our fire, you know, everybody has come together collectively um, because they understood the gravity of the situation. Um, everybody kind of bought in very early, understanding that, uh, you know, as frontliners, it was going to be, you know, a lot of it is going to be hanging on us uh, to be able to respond correctly, accurately, safely, um, and to be able to assess patients get them into the treatment facilities um, in a timely fashion, but also making sure that we're staying safe as well. Um, and, and I can't thank our firefighters enough for doing that because um, to date, we've, we've uh, handled over 900, um, a little over 900 PUI cases. That's not including our surveillance cases. If we include that, that's over 1,000 people that we've moved. And the fact that I can, you know, and what I'm very happy about and very proud of is the fact that our uh, with all those people that we've been able to transport to um, definitive care, um, none of our firefighters have come back uh, infected. And, mm -hmm. and that's a huge testament to them, uh, them doing it right all the time. And so uh, a lot of people doing that. We've had, uh, we've identified uh, two of our personnel to be infection control supervisors that have gone out to make sure they're that extra set of eyes when our, when our medics or our firefighters are going out to uh, don their protective gear, and, and more importantly, when they take off this protective uh, equipment, so that they don't contaminate themselves or uh, contaminate somebody else. Mm. Um, it, so it's been a huge, uh, huge effort on, on the GFD side, and, I, and I'm very proud of everything that they've done and they continue to do. So, uh, yeah. kudos to every one of them, uh, from our 911 dispatchers, who, again, they got it from the very beginning and getting gathering that information from the call to be able to to uh, transmit that to our responders to make sure that they have all the information necessary to make their decisions um again even like to our mechanics who were coming in on a regular basis even after hours when our units were going down to make sure that they get those units back up in service uh, so that we can continue with our mission and our operations uh, you know to our fire prevention bureau who, who stood up and and were assisting in decontamination so something outside of their uh, not necessarily outside of their lane, but not their normal line of business. Uh, it was just a collective effort, and uh, and I'm very proud of our department. You know, you you very good. You sort of touch on something that um, um, uh, we're talking about infection control. You know, uh, the um, of the of the, the fire departments, the the ambulance um, dr um, uh, crews are probably the uh, the ones along with the healthcare workers are are subject to the risk of exposure. 
um, because unlike um, unlike the uh, the the sort of uh, fire response uh, vehicles, which are maybe on call 24 hours a day, they're not necessarily on the road 24 hours a day, obviously. But the ambulances, um, if, if uh, they're pretty much on the road 24 hours a day, are they not? Yeah, that's correct. A large part of our business in the Guam Fire Department is uh, medical responses. Um, you know, the good thing is uh, is that we don't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, like house fires or structure fires, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a good thing. Um, and that's, again, that's a testament to our fire prevention folks who are out there doing their inspections, making sure people are code in, uh, you know, doing the code enforcement, making sure businesses are compliant um, with their fire codes and life safety codes. Uh, it's that whole system working collectively and working together to ensure the safety of our of our communities. But it also speaks to uh, you know before this month the sort of fragile state of the ambulance fleet on the road for 24 hours a day, almost 24 hours a day. Uh, a lot of it at the end of their lifespans. And um, one of the things about the presentation yesterday of the uh, the four new ambulances that come on island for the fire department, the first of uh, the first of eventually seven that will be on island uh, this month, is that we only had three of them on hand yesterday because you had to put one of them in, into service on Friday. Uh, yeah, very good point. Yeah, this, exactly. It was very timely uh, that we were able to get these new ambulances uh, registered, you know, get all the paperwork done, um, get all the uh, keys crossed and, uh, you know, eyes dotted uh, to make sure that they're ready to be uh, road ready. Um, but we also have to get them certified because they also have to go through a certification process to, uh, as ambulances. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, you're absolutely correct. So, so, we had one of our ambulances go down hard for maintenance, mm. uh, and we were able to take one of the four, um, get it uh, get it equipped, get it certified, get it inspected, and get it in service uh, so that we did not have any lapse in our EMS service in that particular response it, it, area. It, it went to Dedito, if I so, recall, yeah. right? That's correct. Okay. So uh, the other three that uh, we saw yesterday, are they in service right now? Right, so you know, we've got one that's uh, been moved to, uh, if, I, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, they went through to Dedido, uh, Astumbo, uh, correction, I'm sorry, not Astumbo, uh, Jigo, uh, Tumuning, and then uh, the fourth one is at, yeah, I'm not sure what. It's in one. service someplace I'm sorry, doing went good down work. To Inarahan, Inarahan, uh, station okay. six down in Inarahan, yes. Okay, well then, and, um, and then when we, US, I'm sure you have, very certain plans for the other three when they get in um, uh, uh, next week and then and put into service, and um, and so um, and so it'll be. It'll, I, I think I frankly have to uh, to go back to how remarkable it is for the entire fleet to be replaced in one or uh, or come in with brand new vehicles and like in one month. I, I you know usually it takes you you in the fire department of, of course for your professional career is. Uh, uh, I mean usually to get that sort of transition is over many months if not years. Uh, to do so here, you know, regardless of the um, of the uh, import for the stuff, but to do all the stuff in one month is is, is quite remarkable. So, uh, uh, congratulations to you on, on on that milestone. Doing no small part to your own leadership of the fire department and keeping focused on on solutions, uh, even given the, the many challenges you and your, and your people have faced, particularly in uh, during this COVID nineteen crisis, particularly in do have to learn new things to do, and like for example. Uh, correct monitor and for infection control procedures so that your firefighters are kept safe. We're all learning new stuff about how to deal deal with stuff. You know, uh, aside from learning how to use Zoom for me for for meetings instead of in person meetings. Um, it, looking forward to um, uh, to the uh, to the future, Chief. Well, is there anything in these last maybe oh four and a half minutes that uh, you may want to uh, impart to the listeners so they uh, um, yeah, uh, can understand what what's on your agenda as Chief of the Guam Fire Department? 
uh, so in addition to vehicles and equipment, um, our personnel safety, you know, the personnel of our, the Guam Fire, their safety is the ultimate priority for us, uh, for myself and for our, you know, the command staff. Um, and so I'll be seeking funding for the replacement uh, and purchase of, um, of, of gear and equipment, uh, firefighting gear, as well as uh, wildland firefighting gear. Mm. Um, and then, of course, uh, some of the things that we, we had on the project board but have been, um, you know, uh, put on the back burner as a result of the COVID response is, you know, providing the comforts uh, to our firefighters at, at, the, uh, at their office space, which we call a fire station, mm-hmm. um, to make them comfortable while they're there for their 24-hour shift. Uh, and, uh, and so we wanted to do some renovations or improvements wherever we could and whatever we can afford. Um, you know, so we want to make the life a little bit easier for them at the fire stations. And so that'll be the effort, again, once, uh, once we're able to, uh, you know, set the priority, reset the priorities again. Um, but, you know, really, Tyrone, if I could just take a few minutes just to say thank you to yourself, your, um, you know, BSP, yourself and your staff, uh, Lester over at BBMR and his staff. Uh, I've got, you know, Office of Civil Defense, Homeland Security, um, you know, Ms. Marie Tengla over there at Homeland Security, uh, Office of Civil Defense was really helpful for us. Um, GSA, Claudia and her staff down at GSA who also, you know, understood the, the need for this, uh, these apparatuses and, and the need to get them here sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all that collective effort, you know, just everybody was focused and, and set for this priority. Uh, and everybody, everybody worked very diligently to make sure that we got this process through. Um, you know, and, and then I've got my very own, uh, you know, it was Kevin Riley, who um, who I kind of uh, said, okay, Kev, here you go. We've got, we've got this opportunity. I need you to run with it. And, and he ran with it and was able to uh, do all the legwork, all the heavy lifting for me to be able to see this through. So, um, again, a huge collective effort. Um, and I can't say thank you enough to everybody. And, and I'm sure you agree with me, Chief, that you and I are both the beneficiaries of a, um, of a great professional staff. Who, uh, when the community needed, kind of stepped up and sort of made this opportunity happen. Uh, there's so many procedural things that, that could have gone wrong, you know, and uh, or that could have either unnecessarily uh, del- delayed or postponed this. But uh, it, it was right. It was a, it was a very much a team effort. I recall my conversations with you uh, about the uh, getting these ambulances and the command vehicles, and they weren't very long conversations. Uh, because we were both very focused on, well, what do we do to get this done? You know, and, and off we go. And then we went back and then uh, directed our people to do so. And they, and they uh, deserve a good deal, if not the lion's share of the credit for making this a reality. I'm, I'm sure you agree. And it's, um, it's the sort of thing that, um, it's the sort of thing that, 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 I, that I'm sure you, and you agree with me, we get deep satisfaction. Not having a good job well done, but being very proud of our people who actually did the legwork to get it done, to make this sort of stuff a reality. I, uh, Absolutely. You know, you know, we've got we've got some very committed and dedicated people on our staffs. You know, and and who who understand their responsibilities and their commitment. And and so, you know, when you give them the task, and they, you know, they just surprise you all the time with their ability to, to manage these tasks and see them through fruition. And and you know, it's just it's it's really a sight to see. And so yes. Um, and on my end, I like it. And mine, I should just thank my chief planner. I, mine, I should thank my chief planner, Lola Van Grill and Millie Urgiza yeah. and uh, Sonia Sinyong, who, Sonia in particular, in order to, to understand how this works, folks, is that at the early uh, time, this is like maybe March or April, there is, um, there was, um, there was a lot of this procurement went through emergency procurement and civil defense. However, 
there is there's still a lot of legwork to be done in getting quotes and running paperwork and stuff. And so the agencies, uh, even though civil defense is doing the procurement behalf of the agencies, the agencies still have to send uh, staff to go through a lot of the stuff. And uh, and uh, Millie and um, and uh, Lola, the ones who did the legwork to to uh, to acquire the grant, which was from announcement to award, was less than a week and a half. Uh, before we got the award, and then Sonia put in the, the many hours of civil defense to actually do all the procedures to get this procurement, and because of that, uh, we get this on a timely basis. Uh, uh, Chief Dan Stone, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're heading for the top of the hour. Perhaps at some time in the future, we can have a longer conversation about <laughs> public safety in the fire department. And uh, and uh, and uh, I look forward to you when uh, meeting up again when the other three ambulances get here. Okay. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Thanks again. And then, of course, uh, one final huge, huge thank you uh, to our governor, Lieutenant Governor, who provided us the way forward, uh, gave us the directive uh, to move forward, and supported us all the way. So, you know, thank you again to the governor and Lieutenant Governor as well for their support. Absolutely. As we head, uh, great thought as we head to the top of the hour in the CBS Evening News. Thank you, Chief Dan Stone, and see, I'll see the rest of you after the Evening News. Stimulate those waves. KGUM AM. Hagatnia Guam. News Talk. K57. News Talk. K57. The direct studio talk line is easy to remember. 477-5757 or star 57 on your cellular. To get on the air with News Talk K57, K57 Radio. The home of the hottest talk on Guam. Guam. Data Hub with Tyrone Titano. I'm Tyrone Titano. Uh, we're broadcast live on News Talk K57 and also simulcast on GTA Channel 3 and Docomo Channel 2. And the first half hour of the program, we had a discussion with Chief Dan Stone about the seven new ambulances the fire department is getting uh, uh, this month in July, uh, uh, basically replacing the entire fleet and uh, what that means for, uh, for public safety and also his, his future plans for as well. Um, we have um, uh, a schedule for this um, for this hour. Uh, a discussion with um, Bernie Guinness and her team from the uh, from the census, and um, they should be calling in uh, fairly so often. There, uh, the um, the census uh, had a, a brief hiatus in about uh, when the COVID nineteen emergency was declared, and field operations were suspended uh, for about seven weeks. And but now they're back out in the field. Uh, now they're uh, they're pursuing their um, uh, the uh, a completion of the 2020 Census of Guam, a vital uh, 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 operation, not only because of, uh, for the federal mandate, but also uh, for what it means for the people of Guam, and particularly in, in terms of uh, information about that's useful for making planning decisions for the future, and for what's important and how it impacts on uh, on federal formula grants uh, available to the community. Uh, we have online is Peter. Chief Peter could. Uh, hi, Peter. 
Jose, good evening. Yes, you you were calling in. Yes, I am. Okay, uh, you you work for the census. Correct. I'm the system manager of the operations. I see. I, I think uh, you. I think you were. The, I've asked uh, uh, Bernie and a crew to call in on on several lines, and so we can join this in. And I think uh, you're the first one to to, uh, to be online. Perhaps for the listeners, um, uh, Peter, maybe explain what in detail what your job is. I am the assistant manager for field operations, which covers the uh, innovation uh, uh, side of the house. So the I, the field operation, basically, the all, all the all the new in the field. Okay, and uh, also online. Uh, let's see where we get up. Let's see if this is um, if this is Bernie. Yes, this is Bernie. Let's get Bernie on the line then. Hi, Hello? Bernie. Hi, Bernie. Okay, you're you're on with uh, with also Peter. And oh I, hi. I, yes, and I got him to describe his his operation. Um, uh, I think, uh, as I've explained to the audience, there were uh, the 2020 census of Guam is back after uh, after a hiatus. And um, uh, before we get, get into that, um, uh, I, what I wanted to do also is to thank the U.S. Census Bureau uh, for an extraordinary demonstration of compassion and understanding uh, for keeping the uh, the census staff um, uh, paychecks going, even though they were not on the field. Um, there's been a lot of activity with the federal government to uh, to uh, to deal with um, uh, to support you know uh, the, the economies and states and territories across the country. But this sort of thing is not quite what the U.S. Census Bureau's mission is. And to the extent that they were responded to uh, very compassionately um, and very understanding, the situation is was terribly striking. And the governor has expressed her thanks to the U.S. Census Bureau. And, her, and the team for that extraordinary act of generosity here, and, and it cannot be uh, said too often. But uh, after that, the, your team is on the field, and uh, and I think we have uh, one more person calling in, and we'll get them on the line. But perhaps, Bernie, I'm just going to uh, stop talking, and then perhaps you could explain, uh, briefly start to explain uh, what what is new with the, with the the operation of the 2020 Census of Guam. And uh, what's new, uh, we're taking a different approach than before the COVID-19 was declared, and perhaps you could explain that. Okay, so, well, basically what it was, you know, um, when we had the lockdown initially, prior to the lockdown, the initial mode of, um, or the primary mode of interviews was in-person interviews. Um, after returning back from, um, you know, we went into lockdown on March 17th, uh, seven weeks went by, a good, you know, month and a half, two months went by. And upon returning, um, the U.S. Census Bureau uh, authorized us to go ahead and include a secondary or a supplemental um, um, mode of interviews, which would have been, which was the the call center, to include a call center to do um, in in um, what do you call it mm-hmm. phone 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 interviews. So what we at the at the Census Bureau, I mean here at the Guam Census Office, is that we. You know, we, Terry and I, Trina and I, and also Pete, you know, we took a look at the operations, we looked at the facility and what best and how best we could utilize it. And, and so we came up with a plan to create the call center. Um, and, and what it was is that we had initially, you know, we put together 60 phone, new phone lines that were assistance. Um, and we utilized office spaces from training, you know, from the training room to the conference room. We maximized each space, including even like storage, you know, storage facilities too. So that in creation of 10 districts, creating 10 separate call centers. Um, so those were called districts, basically, and it, it represented different areas within the islands. So you had the northern region, the central, 
southern and the western. But the call centers are all in the Tamuning office, or basically, you just divide it up so operationally yeah. into zones. So, for so all of the, you know, the, all the call centers, all the sixty, all the new sixteen lines, are housed here at our headquarters at the office in Tamuning. Um, again, it's, it's the, our, our office, the Tamuning office, is twenty-one thousand square feet, um, but it's it's. We occupied pretty much all the spaces that need to be. Yeah. Um, so before we, we skip over this, Bernie, before we skip over the Bernie, I think you should, we should convey the listeners what a real pain it was to get those sixty lines in. Really, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, so uh, particularly from a standing start, just 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 the rewiring alone was just just a nightmare, I know, for you and your team. Uh, but what you got it done? Oh yeah, we yeah definitely. I mean, it took us again, like I said, within that seven weeks once we got the approval from the census, the U.S. Census Bureau. Um, you know, Tarina and I, we just kind of looked at all the different processes, recreating. Yeah, Tarina, you know, Tarina, Tarina by the way, folks, and, just, uh, just, uh, just excuse me, you're interrupting, Bernie. Tarina is, is uh, Terry Long. Terry who is Long. She's a local is census the, advisor. She is our federal census advisor for one of, Guam. One of Guam's newer residents who's been here since September in the trenches with Bernie and her team to make the 2020 census of Guam uh, a reality here. So I'm sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to make sure the listeners understood. Yeah, so, yeah, so Tarina, you know, during that time, within the seven weeks, um, you know, really we just took a look, we took a look at all of the, the guidelines and the protocols and then reestablishing um, the different processes to, to create this call center. Because, again, it wasn't, it wasn't a motive, a motive um, of, you know, it wasn't part of what we were supposed to be doing. So, again, mm-hmm. like I said, 60 phone centers, retraining the staff. Um, and so when we came back into, uh, when we came back in, when the governor gave approval for us to come back in to open up the, the census center, I mean the census office on May 11th, um, you know, we came into different phases. We came in from certainly the management came in. We did we reassessed the facility, ensuring that we, you know, moved the furnishings around to comply with all the public health guidelines. Basically, electing uh, dividers, electing dividers, and and so there's yeah. social separation and, and social distancing. We very, yeah, we were very fortunate to have like you know again like the file cabinets and and the, the space you know the desk and whatnot. So, you know, we had a, we had our team from the office operations led by Miss Vicky Linwell. Mm-hmm. Um, so for within that week, they just kind of they just kind of you know um, rearranged the facility to ensure that we we were in compliance with public health. Um, Social distancing then, requirements uh, and occupancy uh, you know, uh, limitations. Yes. So really, I mean, it was it was certainly a big feat, and then also having, and then coming, you know, and it was coming in phases. So, so our second phase, we had the management team come in the first week. The second week was certainly having the supervisors come in, um, taking you know, uh, taking out the materials that were put in storage prior to you know uh, before the lockdown, because all of the materials were collected. When we were told that the lockdown was going was to happen on March 17th, we, you know, we mobilized. We told all our, our field staff that they had to return all of the questionnaires, all of the documents, everything that they had so that it could be properly stored um, safely within the, um, inside the confines of the, of the center. So right after that, you know, again, so the second week was just releasing and kind of distributing it back to, to the staff. The so a lot staff. Of, I mean, there was a lot of planning, a lot of... Um, it was, again, like I said, it, it was quite a feat to, to we have over 600 employees, mm-hmm. so all of the organization was um, was taking place. Well, what, walk us through because we've discussed this earlier in other shows here the, the timelines for how the uh, uh, you know um, the uh, the, uh, the enumeration process, the data collection process for the um, 2020 census of Guam was supposed to be done at the time. Uh, there was a suspension because of the uh, COVID-19 emergency. 
the, um, the, the, what was called the address listing phase had been completed in February. And um, so perhaps starting from there, maybe explain to the listener what was the address listing phase and, and, um, and what, is, what are the new timelines for completing this next phase, which is the, or the current phase, which is the data enumeration phase. Keith, do you want to go ahead and take over that with the address listing yes. of what took place? Oh, by the way, who else is supposed to call in? Jerry as well? What was that? Bernie, who else is supposed to call in? Jerry as oh, well? Oh, Tarina. I think, is Tarina. Tarina on right now? I think ah, she's calling I have in. something in my mind saying Jerry from Census, but I'm not sure who that is. Maybe get this on the line. Oh, oh no, Terry. Terry's here. Oh, Terry. You know, th welcome, welcome on, on board. Uh, they, they put on my display thing, Jerry equals from census, and I was wondering who the hell this was, but I'm glad, I'm glad we got you in. I was, uh, first of all, I'm glad you're joining this, the show, Terry. I just, um, earlier, um, and I'll convey it to you personally here, the, the deep thanks of, of Governor Leon Guerrero and the people of Guam for the extraordinary compassion and understanding demonstrated by you and your colleagues in the Census Bureau at the height of the COVID-19 emergency, uh, allowing uh, the, the the staff to continue to uh, uh, to receive paychecks during that period, and you know that was uh, that was really was striking, particularly from the agency. I mean, you, you do good work here, but your your mission is was was not economic relief. You have a vital mission doing the 2020 census uh, of Guam nationally, and for that um, that sense of understanding and support for the community was um, words cannot um, cannot express how deeply appreciative this community is for. Uh, for the uh, for the uh, understanding of you and your colleagues uh, during that vital period. Thank you for those kind words. I, I would just like to say, you know, um, Bernie and I both felt really strongly that it was really important that during this unprecedented time and uncertain time, that the last thing that we wanted the workers of the 2020 census to be concerned about was where their next paycheck was coming from. And so um, we were able to work with the Census Bureau to make that happen, and we're very happy that we were able to do that and keep everybody employed and fully gainfully employed during that that, um, that time. So thank you for those words. Well, it's 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 actually well-deserved. I mean, as someone who's had experience with... Um, with uh, with um, uh, federal agencies and federal bureaucracies before, that sort of response is was striking, to say the least, uh, particularly for that extended period of time. And so, um, it, it's 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 uh, I, I feel I feel very pleased to be able to convey that that appreciation on behalf of uh, Governor Lingaro and Lieutenant Governor Tenorio and indeed the entire community. But uh, that period is over, and we're off and running uh, for the to complete the 2020 Census of Guam. And entering the news phase with the enumeration phase. When you, you joined us, Terry, uh, Bernie, you wanted to cut to Peter to to explain a, a point about how the enumeration uh, process is going. Yeah. So on June fourth, on about June fourth, we initiated the uh, enumeration phase uh, after the lockdown was lifted, and it's it's currently ongoing as of right now. Uh, June fourth, we opened up our call centers, and we started our first wave of notice of visits. Mm hmm. And what did that entail? It, that entailed is that the field staff went out in full force, uh, going after uh, residents that were not um, already issued a notice of visit and had completed their questionnaires, mm -hmm. and were paid a visit, given the notice, left the notice, and then it, with, with the notice, it had uh, instructions for a number to call with certain identifying uh, uh, numbers. So when that caller would call into the call center, we already know exactly what district, uh, what area, and what map spot we're dealing with. So we can, uh, in a timely manner, respond to that to that caller and begin the questionnaire. 
Yeah, but in addition to that, there were some interviews done uh, outside of the home on the, on the doorstep, uh, for example. Should the uh, resident be home and wish to participate? Isn't that the case? I, actually, I know that is the case because during that early period, a, a census enumerator showed up on my doorstep. And uh, I did the interview uh, uh, outside uh, giving in, in, in compliance with COVID-19 restrictions. So, so in addition to dropping off the notice for, uh, for, say, a phone interview, there were some interviews actually conducted on people's doorstep where they're not. Yes, it was. Uh, if the respondent was uh, was consensual to do an in-person interview, and um, in mind in, in mind in minding that we still have to keep the uh, social distance in effect, and uh, and in addition to that, all enumerators, all field enumerators, including the crew leaders who are out there dropping off the notice and visits, were properly equipped with PPEs. They have their face shields, they have their face masks, mm-hmm. uh, they have their gloves, and they have uh, they have sanitation, uh, they have sanitizers uh, on hand to also to to disinfect, uh, uh, any, you know, the to disinfect anything that should have been uh, wiped down in the event that uh, they had any type of, any type of contact out there with the uh, respondent. Yes, and um, uh, I know the one enumerator that showed up on my doorstep was um, was uh, had a bit of added pressure because there was a crew chief there. Uh, monitoring her performance and helping her along to make sure it was uh, it was done properly because it was very much in the early stages, but uh, it was done very professionally, very uh, very friendly. Uh, the enumerator didn't know who I was, so you know, uh, but so which is which was great. But it was a very I found it a very positive experience. Um, t- Terry, perhaps uh, you know we've heard from Bernie and and Peter here. Perhaps uh, from your perspective as the U.S. Census Advisor in the context of the larger census operation. Uh, how do you see this proceeding f- further along uh, for the 2020 Census of Guam? Just to give us a, a, a different perspective on this. So I, um, I want to definitely highlight what's interesting about this operation is, and I don't know if Bernie touched upon this in her earlier remarks, was that when we shut down um, back in March, at that time, everything was done by in-person interviews. And that was the only mode of collection that we had at our, you know, at, available to us. And I'm extremely proud of this team because we were able to, uh, with approval from the Census Bureau, pull together a full-fledged call center where respondents have the opportunity to now have an option whether they want to uh, complete their interview either in person or by telephone. And having that uh, call center has been extremely beneficial to our operation as a whole. Um, we've been looking at it. Um, we tracked our numbers um, from week to week, and we're really impressed with the number of people, the respondents who are calling in. We just want to encourage everybody to continue to call or, you know, complete the interview in person if you feel comfortable. But I, I would say the biggest thing that I'm most excited about is seeing the call center come to life after a short amount of time of planning and being able to have it fully operational and have it so successful has been very heartening to see. And as a result, um, you know, we are moving along. Uh, through the process, you mentioned that obviously we had that shut down, so that did push um, our timeline back a little bit. But we are confident that we'll be able to still have a very high quality census and count everyone once and only once, and of course, in the right place. Yeah, I'm going to apologize to to, um, to Peter and Bernie. We are occasionally going to have to mute them because we're getting some feedback from the back there. Uh, but uh, Bernie, so perhaps uh, taking it from from Terry's point. You could go in and perhaps sketch for the listeners what the next few months will look like in terms of how you view the enumeration will uh, will proceed, how long it will take, and then what are the other steps before we uh, we close out this process in in, in 2020. How, how would you think that will unfold, or how well, do you expect to unfold? I mean, certainly, you know, with with the um, 
certainly the enumeration process has been pushed back a bit, you know, and like Terry had mentioned. But we're going to so get it done in 2020, right? Oh, definitely. Yes, there we go. <laughs> certainly it's going to be completed. And, and we're, we're envisioning that we're, our goal is to do the completion of the, the data collection, um, you know, by the end of, by the end of August. Um, and, and certainly there's going to be a follow-up portion of that. Uh, for a couple of weeks, but you know, all the completion will will everything is kind of pushed back for a good month and a half mm-hmm. is what the um, what the plan is. Um, but everything else is again is status quo. We just kind of move along. Once we once we finish the data collection, we go into um, the follow up side of things, and then also just wrapping up with you know, packing packing all of the the questionnaires. So and then basically, what happens after the uh, after the follow up here? You start shipping off the. Uh, the actual data sheets to the Census Bureau, yeah. and they're the so, ones who actually do the tabulation. We don't uh, uh, Guam, no, the yeah, tabulation done in Guam. Yeah, nothing, nothing is kept here. You know, all of all of the actual hard copies of the questionnaires. Um, again, it is, it is all sent back to DC along with the systems that were set up. Um, so really, everything that was put here by the feds, it's, it's going to be returned back. Right. When, when does the office actually close? Uh, we are. Yeah, our office is. You know, again, there's going to be a handful of us that will stay back in the month of um, October to wrap things up, um, to do the inventory, to do the completions of things. But then come November would be where the management team, that's our last month. And the um, office would formally close that month. Correct. The office yeah. will formally close on November. We prepare our, you know, our final reports, our after-action reports. Um, that those would all be submitted by November. So Bernie, Bernie, folks, by the way, was the first employee ha- hired for the uh, 2020 Census of Guam as an appointee from the governor way back in June. And it will be her job to wrap it up near the end and turn off the lights on the final day. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, and then with that, that'll actually be a sad day for for many of us, given this how, um, sometimes trying, but but very rewarding adventure, which is uh, pulling together the 2020 Census of Guam, kind of like you know, putting together a, a show on the road, you know, and then you, at the when it's done, exactly. you just wrap things up and, yeah. and, and close it then. Uh, if Terry, if, um, if um, uh, line two, if you get back on line, Terry, uh, maybe also from, uh, from your perspective, as, as this is sort of like a radical change uh, from what was initially planned, you know, COVID-19 having changed the world. Um, how would you, uh, you have any uh, insights as to how this is being handled, perhaps in other jurisdictions, insular areas, or, or the mainland, or how they're, the strategies that they're doing to actually cope with the situation and how they may compare to how we're doing or not? So there are um, some similarities. Obviously, um, the stateside uh, did a pause as well, and they actually reduced, um, for a while, they eliminated all in-person contact um, for about six weeks, same as us. They started back um, at different locations beginning on June 1st. So they've been doing a sort of like what we did, a phased in approach to a return to the field operations. And the other island areas, um, particularly CNMI and American Samoa, they are still doing exactly what we are doing. They have a call center option for their residents, but they're also doing in-person interviews. And I think the biggest thing that's consistent amongst um, everywhere that the 2020 census is occurring is that everybody is fully um, in PPE and the personal protective equipment. Mm-hmm. That is a standard mandatory um, thing for all census workers, regardless of if you're in Guam or if you're in California or if you're in Puerto Rico or the Virgin Islands. You know, Terry, the, I, I'm going to turn to something that we've talked about in previous programs, but we haven't discussed this, at least in this program, for like three months here. But uh, perhaps for the listeners to sketch out uh, that what makes the insular areas uh, census operations different from what's happening in the mainland is that the census form that's being... Uh, 
circulated or uh, brought out to the community is actually a, a, a longer form than is being used in the mainland. Perhaps you could explain that and, and why that is so. Yeah, so for the state side, um, they have a shorter questionnaire, um, primarily because they have ongoing surveys, in particular the American Community Survey, which asks similar, almost identical questions as to what the questionnaire is asking here in Guam. And they do that on an annual basis. They sample um, approximately like 3.5 million households per year, which allows them to give them the information that we only collect here every 10 years. So the reason why um, the questionnaire here is lengthier is because data collection only happens with the decennial census, and the decennial census only, by nature, only happens every 10 years. So we only have the one shot to get it right, essentially. So that's why there's so much effort and energy poured into making sure that we count everyone and that we get every household listed because we won't have this opportunity for another 10 years. So that is the biggest change and the biggest difference between what occurs stateside and what occurs in Guam and some of the other island areas. But it must be also an um, operational challenge for you and and Bernie and Peter and the rest of the team in that you have more data to collect, uh, basically, uh, because you're sort of of playing catch-up because we don't do the rollout in the insular as it's normally done in the mainland. But, you know, I look at it as not even so much of a challenge, it's an opportunity. Yes. Um, just yep. because we don't get this opportunity every year like they do in stateside. And even in stateside, it's a sample survey, so not every household is asked the same questions. And so you might not find yourself in sample once, but every, like, 10 or 12 years. So here, by asking every household the same questions, everybody gets the same opportunity to impact and influence how the information is derived. So mm-hmm. I think it's actually an opportunity um, that the residents here have so that they know that no matter what they are counted and their responses matter the yeah. one time that we do it. Absolutely. It's, it's an opportunity for the uh, community. I was I was just sort of referring to this as this is a quite, quite a burden that you and Bernie and Peter and the rest of the team have on your shoulders to uh, get this done and get this done on time and get this done right. Uh, there's one more thing, Terry, I'd like to address. And again, it's only because we haven't uh, yet had this uh, uh, this discussion, this program for several months now, and we've touched it early on. But uh, now that we're, we're sending the, uh, the enumerators out in the field again, uh, perhaps you could comment on the security of the data collected and, and, and the sort of federal uh, uh, regimes in place in order to make sure that's data safe and confidential. So every um, enumerator takes a lifetime oath uh, to uphold the confidentiality of all the data that is collected. So that is the primary um, thing that we base everything on, which is Title 13. And everybody that works on the census in any capacity must um, be sworn in to uphold that Title 13 confidentiality. In addition, all of the materials are collected um, for, and the questions are asked for statistical purposes only. So even though during the interview a name is asked for, the name is stripped out, and all personal identifying information that would actually tag a response to an individual. So for example, you've, you said earlier, you've completed your census. When the information is tabulated, your name is stripped out of it and the records are held for 70 years, as you know. And so there's no identifying information in, the inf- in what is collected. It's for statistical purposes only. So we take the confidentiality of our respondents today and also for the next you know, several decades very, very seriously. And even if I'm alive 70 years from now, I still can't disclose anybody's information that I happen to be involved with in data collection. So it is a very serious confidentiality. 
And I can attest to how secure the location is. Even when I go to the office, I have to get a visitor's pass and be escorted uh, throughout the facility for the, uh, for the time I, uh, I'm actually there. So uh, this is the serious effort is made to make sure that all this information is, is not only kept confidential, but, but, uh, but kept secure. Uh, if anyone in the audience wishes to uh, have any questions about the uh, 2020 Census of Guam and how it's proceeding and, uh, and how to respond to it, uh, feel free to join the conversations at 477-5757. That's 477-5757. Uh, Peter, uh, how do you think the field staff has responded to the to the new procedures and the, and the new way of doing this? The new well, mission. You, you said it from the beginning. Uh, the compassionate. They're very compassionate in what they do. Uh, they come in day in and day out. Uh, they're well aware of the conditions on the ground. Uh, they're well aware of the uh, orders given by upper management and from um, and from the governor to make sure that not only do we protect the protect ourselves we protect our community so they they wear their equipment probably uh they're compassionate uh they 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 want to do this work and uh and that that only drives me to continue to support them uh, the morale was is, is high uh, and it continues to uh, uh to remain high because uh they know the importance uh they come in day, day in and day out with uh with the hot weather mm -hmm. with the uh, equipment they have to wear out there in the field uh with the uh uh Respondents and different uh, uh, attitudes they get, but they continue to uh, to maintain a high a high demeanor and uh, high morale. What other questions do you think um, they besides you know filling out the enumeration form? Do they, do people are presenting them with um, with questions about the process, or are they uh, are pretty much familiar with again as much as the uh, as Bernie and Terry and, and the team at the uh, 2020 Census of Guam have been? promoting this one for a good part of the year. Are, you, are, there, are they coming across people who have any, any particular questions about how this is working out or how this proceeds? Oh, oh yes. Uh, you know, when it, when it gets down to certain identifying uh, uh, information, such as date of birth, they kind of pause for a while and, <laughs> and they think. Uh, and they, they look at the enumerator or they ask the enumerator. Uh, but once again, the compassion of the enumerator, the training that they receive, and the support they get from management, the support they get from uh, from the government, from both the federal and the local, uh, and and the and the morale and from the crew leaders all the way up to the to the field operations supervisors, uh, they reassure the the respondent to continue on the interview, uh, and they gain their trust, mm. and they go beyond that 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 personal identifying information, so date of birth, and they continue on uh, because it's it, it's it's their compassion shows when they when they're there they're sincere and when it, it it just reflects off the mission that they have to do and that's how they get the job done you know and of course they, they make they do get resistance they, they do get door slammed in their face mm. but they come back again they do it again because they know they have to come back and, and get those get those numbers because it's very very important uh with the conditions on the ground and once again with the weather's been hot lately mm -hmm. they still come to work and they, they come to work smiling uh, they come to the call center with with, uh, with a good sense of uh, uh, of compassion, and they receive those calls and and, uh, and they enjoy it. They enjoy the work, sir. They really do enjoy. They really enjoy the work. Yeah, and 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 Terry, of course, this sort of uh, professional, positive approach by the enumerated staff, uh, although a testament to the character of the people employed in the 29th Census of Guam, is is not entirely by accident. But it also has to do with the with the training that you and Bernie. Uh, uh, engage in them before sending them out in the field. Is, isn't that not the case? Terry? 
Terry, is she on the line? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, this, 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 forget the. I'm sorry for the uh, some technical miscues here. But like I was saying, the um, the the attitude and approach by the uh, field enumerator staff uh, uh, again is a testament to the character of these people, but also to the training that you and Bernie imbued. And perhaps you could like uh, comment on how uh, the sort of um, uh, uh, processes and uh, and uh, 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 procedures that you were instilled in them before they were sent on the field. In their training, Terry is is Terry still there? You hear me? Okay, now you're on the air. My apologies again. You know, this is one of those things where where we stopped in studio guests and we do this by the phone. And so, like everybody else, we're any new procedures. But if you could comment on the training that goes into these um, these fine people or are the uh, field staff for the 2020 Census of Guam. Yeah, uh, no worries. Um, I I would actually like to say I would like to take credit or that Bernie and I can take credit, but I honestly feel like the individuals came into these um, positions already enthusiastic and, and excited to do the work. We have many people who have participated in previous decennial censuses who were excited to come back and join the process again. And mm -hmm. I really feel like their leadership and their just knowledge that they have from their previous work has actually given the newcomers even more uh, on the field and you know on the ground training and you know guidance and support than we previously anticipated. So I, I think the training process went really, really well. We had um, several sessions with the, the staff in the beginning in January, but then also again once we um, restarted our operation because, you know, six weeks is a long time to be away from the work. But to be honest, I feel like the people came in already excited and with the right attitude to do this work. Well, that, yeah, and I, I agree with you. They're, they're a very well-motivated bunch of people there. Uh, but, uh, but certainly, they're, they're, at least from my experience from, uh, my, uh, and from the point of view elsewhere here in dealing with them, they, the, although this, 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 um, this process was new to them, uh, they really set out to do it on a very professional basis, and there were crew chiefs and assistant crew chiefs on hand to help guide those along in the, in the process. And that was, that, was, uh, that was very inspiring to see, actually, here. Uh, are we st we're still um, is the uh, recruiting for enumerators? Are, are we not, or are they are they all filled up? The slots all filled up. Bernie or ah, uh. hello. Yes, Bernie. Are we still recruiting for enumerators? We're actually, you know, actually we're not. Um, this week was the last week of mm. um, you know accepting the applications. We pretty much, um, you know, we have we do have the pool of applicants already. Um, uh, you know, on on board with us. Um, so again, we have over 600 plus employees currently. Certainly, that pool of applications that we have, we're going through. You know, during the interview process, they're going through the background. So they're also told that they're they're currently on a waiting list. Right. Um, but so unfortunately, right now we we kind of maxed um, our capacity. Um, and then too, you know, there's you know there's also the fingerprint vendor that we have. So we certainly there is a cutoff date, and, and we've we've met that already. Ah, uh, yeah. So that that inhibits the actual yeah. process as well. Uh, we have a, another caller online, um, Aileen. Elaine, welcome to the program. Elaine? Ah. What? Oh, I see, you know, technical show. So is Elaine still there? It's showing up on the screen. Is Elaine online? Okay. Um, well, we'll work that. We'll, we'll work that up. So, my apologies to um, to the audience here. You know, uh, actually, um, as an alternative to institute, I guess we have people call in. But I think tonight we may have hit the technical ceiling for how many people we can do on this massive conference call. 
uh, without getting some, some feedback and other issues there. So, uh, Bernie, um, perhaps you could break down what the composition of the staff of uh, 2020 Census of Guam, how many, how many field staff roughly are there? Currently, we have over about 500 field staff, which you know, consists of the enumerators, um, and then we also have the crew leaders, crew leader assistants, and again, the, the enumerators, and also the FOS, um, you know, the field operations supervisors. Um, but again, you know, th- that all encompasses the field activity folks. We also have what is, you know, and you should not forget, we also have the office operation mm-hmm. staff, um, which again consists of over about 60 to 70 um, um, employees. And those are the, you know, those are the clerks and the individuals that check in, you know, that check in the questionnaires once they're completed. They do mm-hmm. the quality checks on them. Um, so they too, you know, they too are very important in this whole process and to this whole um, the data collection process. But as part of this new approach, you develop a new um, set of staff to handle the phones, have you not? What was that? I'm you, sorry. And as part of this new approach, if you're having retooling it after the, of the uh, lifting the COVID-19 restrictions, you've uh, developed a new operation including telephone operators, have you not? Um, the telephone operators are actually the enumerators. Okay. So um, basically what it was, is, I mean, again, it is just a different mode of operation, a different mode of um, interviewing. Everything that is what would have been done out in the field for in-person interviews are just now conducted through the phone, which is, you know, it's, it's a more easy, more, um, it's just a more easier way for, for mm-hmm. the community. Um, you know, they'll just call in the, call in their numbers that are on the notice of visits. Um, a a crew leader assistant receives a call on the main, you know, on the main lines in each district or each call centers, um, takes in some certain information, pertinent information, and then transfers transfers it over to an enumerator, who actually conducts the interview. So those notice of visits, those NOVs, those blue forms that is being dropped off to the community is mm-hmm. extremely important. Um, and basically, what it is, it, it contains information. It contains a map spot. Um, and it also contains MAPSOT, which is a, an identifier. It's a number that identifies the household. Um, and certainly, too, it, it contains a number, a, uh, a contact number um, for the individual, for the resident to call. And once they do so, they reach, you know, again, it's all, it all ties into their, their particular where they, what, um, what village or what area they live in. Um, so, I mean, again, the call center, the, once they call in, once they make the phone call, and, and um, they can either schedule for an in-person interview is one thing, or mm-hmm. they can actually do the actual interview on the phone. Or also, um, you know, what we still have is we have our, um, our census centers. So and those are still available for the community if they want to go ahead and make an appointment to schedule for that. And the census centers are throughout the villages. We have um, different areas that are located, different areas that are within the um, you know, within the community that the, the respondent can go ahead and, and make the appointment and we can have a, an enumerator or a crew leader meet them there. Um, certainly the area, again, it's, 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 um, we follow the, the, the guidelines of the you know, public health guidelines mm-hmm. um, and then they can conduct the enumeration there as well. So, and where are these census centers located in the villages? Uh, generally at the mayor's offices? Yeah, it would, it, primarily it is, you know, but there's some other areas, you know, um, it, you know, we've got like some of the gymnasiums, but mm-hmm. we have about over 16 to 18 uh, areas within throughout the villages. Um, but again, we encourage if if the respondent or the household isn't comfortable for us doing the actual enumeration at at their resident or doing it on the phone, certainly this is all certainly this is also another option for them is to do it at the at the um, 
the census center. And each census center is, is equipped with one of these plexiglass shields. So yeah, so we, you know, we were able to procure, you know, the, the, the sneeze guards or these plexiglasses. Um, and certainly we follow the guidelines as far as the sanitation of the, the facility, the tables. And we practice the social distancing. Our folks still, again, you know, they have their shields, they have their face masks, the gloves on. Um, so certainly it is a safe environment for, for both the respondent and the, um, and the employee. Yeah, is 18 going to be the maximum number of census centers out there, or do you plan um, any, we any are provisional plans for expanding with, it? You know, with the different, the different mayors, the different areas. Um, you know, there's some areas that have some mayors that I, I think, like, they're going through some renovations. So, unfortunately, at, at that time, they will um, centers that were available, you know, before COVID um, is no longer available now. Um, but so we're just kind of looking at different alternatives, different locations as well. We're in constant communication with the mayors, trying to update the list so that at least it's, you know, there's more range throughout the village for the um, for yeah. the community to kind of have more choices. To, uh, and fortunately, being a small island, even if there's doesn't have to be a census center within your village, you'll be in the village. You'll be in the village next to you, so mm-hmm. it'll be readily uh, readily accessible. And as much as we complain about the traffic. You know, there, there. You know, it's all a matter a matter of perspective here. And there's, there's, um, even if it's not right in your village, it's in the village next to you, and just as easily accessible. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, it does not necessarily mean the village does not necessarily mean where you're from. I mean, again, whatever area, if you are working in the Tumuning area, um, and then you need it to, you know, if you, you prefer can go to, to a Sinahanya center, center to get your to get your uh, your yeah. thing done. So, oh, yeah. okay. So, so it'll be more convenient for the for the respondent. And each, uh, and what, what is there established hours for the uh, the census uh, centers? No. So what it is is so again, um, you know, when you receive the notice of visit, they'll call in. The resident will go ahead and call in that number, and then they'll advise um, if they want to do it at the census center. Then we'll go ahead and set up an appointment. Um, you know, instead again, of instead of making them drive to, to eight, or just then we will just set the appointment so that we will have the staff meet the individual there. So, say for example, if you live in in Iran, though, uh, you can do, go to a census center down south instead of making them drive to Timuning. Uh, to do the uh, in-person inter- interview and be convenient that way is that's sort of the thought behind yeah, it, is yeah. it not? Yeah, and we try uh, to make it as you know as convenient as possible for the respondents so that we can you know. Certainly, we want everyone to respond, and it's extremely important for everyone to respond. Okay, and um, you know, this uh, part of the, um, uh, of course, the challenge that you and your team face is that this is you've had to do all this from a, a, a starkly different approach than it was done originally planned for, planned for as early as, as last year, uh, from almost a standing start, and the logistical mm-hmm. st- stuff of just getting in sixty phone lines and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and getting the the the, uh, the crews out, uh, the uh, crew chiefs and systems crew chiefs and the enumerators out into the field, and setting up census centers with uh, with their own face shields and setting up the uh, reconfiguring the entire oper- office operation with uh, plexiglass shields and uh, and spacing. To me, that's I mean, in, in addition to trying to collect the uh, a, a sound census enumeration. That that's been that's been quite a feat for you, Bernie, and your team. And uh, hats off to you for. Uh, rising to the challenge and and still maintaining your sanity, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, and it's even really though, kudos to the staff, you know, to to the management team and the supervisors here too, because you know they were once once we knew and once we got the go ahead from the governor, and thankfully we got the go ahead May eleventh. Um, they were all, you know, they were all gung ho to like ready, ready to start. Everyone's ready to start. Um, in fact, they wanted to even start earlier, but of course, you know, sure, we have to. We follow, all wanted to start earlier. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we so. all want to start earlier, and this is, and you know, this is, uh, this is, you know, a part of this is, and, and we're seeing that from the experience of um, a lot of the Sun Belt states right now. 
the anxiousness to, to move forward here sometimes looks these to bigger problems and reversals later on. And, um, I, I, you know, the, it's, it's been inhibiting to, um, uh, to a number of agencies. My, my, uh, the Bureau of Statistics and Plans, by the way, is only uh, open, but for a limited, a mm-hmm. limited purpose. Uh, the, right now, uh, the re, in order to keep the occupancy down, uh, mm-hmm. it's, we're working with staggered hours and a lot of still remote home working here. And uh, yeah. that's uh, posed its own, its own problems. But, you know, steady as, as, she, as, she, as she goes. And the governor is, has always been very, um, very committed to a successful 2020 census of Guam. And so she was, uh, exactly. she was anxious to actually get this show on the road as quickly and as safely as possible. And uh, given to the, the measures that uh, you and Terry and your team have done to ensure this, this safety, not only in uh, and the procedures for, for the field staff, but the care in terms of um, safety at the Timuning office and in the census centers and, uh, and just the effort to, to do this has is, is been, uh, been very, very impressive and, and, and should um, uh, uh, inspire a great deal of confidence in the community as well as to how the uh, uh, proceeded with this, with this process. Um, is there um, in 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 the uh, uh, plans are to uh, help encourage more public participation? I, I see there. Uh, of course, uh, I'm aware there was a stepped up effort to uh, to promote uh, the idea of the uh, of the census and the participation of the census, and and some of these commercials have run on here in Newstock K57 there. But if there is one mission, that, one message, or that uh, you would like to convey to the public to encourage them to participate, what, what would be that central message from your perspective? You know, really, I mean, and this is, a, you know, this is a line that you've heard over and over again from us. And, you know, the census, you know, the census is conducted every 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the response um, by the community is extremely critical, it's extremely important. Um, certainly, the responses help determine and um, direct where federal funds would be going. It'll help the health care, the community, the, you know, like emergency services, the education infrastructures. Um, so really, we're having the co- you know, having the community engage, having the community um, participate. Um, it's it's our ultimate goal to just get the highest quality, um, the highest quality census, and, and ensuring that we have the accurate population count. So again, we encourage everyone. You'll see a lot of our our messaging come that, that comes across. It's you know hashtag Together Guam and respond now because certainly we want the community to respond now. Um, there, that's it's extremely important that they do. And uh, there, uh, the census uh, staff up there is has um, been attired in a way so they're easily recognized, right? Mm-hmm. There is the, uh, the 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 sort of vest and what in there and the uh, and yeah, the impressive- their identifiers are still the same, you know, with the, with the exception of um, some additional um, for the PPEs. You know, you'll identify them with the um, and they'll have the yellow vest on uh, with again the insignia of the the census bureau on it. They'll have their two identifiers or two badges. Um, They'll also come now with their face masks, their face covering. They'll have face shields, like Pete said. There's also gloves, um, and then they'll do, you know they adhere to the social distancing. If they are traveling throughout the community, um, their vehicles will have the magnets on them as well, so that those are easier uh, easy identifiers as well for for the staff. The, the magnets the that will have the 2020 Census of Guam sort of emblem on the on the car. Correct. Yes, you know the, one of the. Uh, uh, there, there has been some limited sort of giveaways or promotional items for the 2020 Census of Guam's, including um, pens and some other things. And yeah. uh, one thing, so, um, and I, I got my share of them early on in the process. And the one thing I had my eye on was that uh, that bag, which the uh, 2020 Census <laughs> enumerators. And I was told, no, that's just for the enumerators. You know, that's not for the giveaway. So, 
So given that, I th- hope the um, uh, Peter. I hope you uh, you uh, pass on to the um, to the your uh, your field staff how really special employees they are, and they're equipped with stuff that not even I have access to. So um, Peter, you still there? Peter, you still there? Yes. Okay, yes. so please pass it on to the enumerator staff if they want a little e- extra bit of motivation. Uh, Definitely. Uh, you know, uh, I want to get a shout-out to uh, the field staff and to mm-hmm. all the staff overall because they keep us safe here at the headquarters. Office Ops uh, provides us with the uh, office of automation equipment that we need in, the, in a timely manner, um, all the way down to, ma- to maintenance and, of course, of upper management. They hear our concerns, you know, and they respond back. And, of course, we submit down to the staff. And they come in every day. They come in bright and early in the morning, and they leave late at night, uh, proud and happy of what they're doing. Wow, that's, that, that's you know, insp- like with you know, Ty, even in the facility, you know how you're saying that you get stopped and you just can't come in. You know, our access controllers or or, or otherwise the security, um, they're you know, they're such an awesome team. And so basically, they go around too and ensuring that the maximum capacity within each call center is met and it's kept. You know, and and they monitor. Um, Constantly, and they're at the doors, or they're at the main entrance point of entrance, and just making sure that the counts are there. If we are over by one, they'll certainly they won't let mm-hmm. that you know, let the other person come in until someone walks out. Yeah, um, so they're, uh, they're just maintaining duties, the yeah. safety and, and, and the um, you know the integrity too of. of of the facility. Well, I've kept away from the Timuni office ever since you reopened, just not to add <laughs> to the burden of the access controllers and in, in terms of maintaining the sort of occupancy uh, uh, requirements. Uh, we're, we're heading to the light, last five minutes of the program. And uh, uh, Peter, uh, just this is any final comments you'd like to make or, or people you'd like to thank. This One of the reasons why I do this program is to give um, people like you and Bernie the chance uh, to, to air your views from your perspective, people out in the field and in, in the trenches doing the stuff here. So is there any uh, last uh, uh, parting thoughts or, or comments or people you want to thank as, as we get near the uh, top of the hour? Peter? Well, of course, I want to thank, uh, thank my staff, the food, food operations staff, they said. But I want to thank the people, first of all, because we all live here. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's the common theme with the compassion that the enumerators and the crew leaders and the crew assistants uh, uh, pass on to when they when they meet these people out, out there in the villages that we all live here uh it's important to do it uh they're doing it and and they they, they want them to do it so they're they're the next generation will, will have a, a better lifestyle than, than than what we're experiencing now and for the next future and uh, and bernie any uh, final comments you'd like to make yeah well yeah, certainly we want to thank you know all the staff and and our managers and our supervisors and and the field staff that are out there. Um, again, the extremely important that the community and the residents respond. Um, these notice of visits are being dropped within the whole month. There's different cycles. You'll see them see them at different times um, throughout the week that you'll get one. Um, but again, we just can't stress enough how important that uh, for everyone to respond. Um, the information, the data that is collected, certainly is is going to benefit the island um, you know, throughout the years. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, my parting comments are uh, two things. First of all, I want to uh, thank you, uh, both of you, and for Terry Long, who had to leave us, um, for your patience with uh, coming on the show, but also your patience with the technical uh, difficulties we've had uh, throughout the program. Certainly, you guys are busy enough 
that we shouldn't be wasting your time in, in the, with uh, those sort of technical miscues. But thank you so much. And um, I want to offer my personal commendations to Bernie, to you and your, and your team and Peter and the rest here you. for, you know, ri- again, rising to the challenge. You, you've, mm-hmm. you've got, you were uh, guys given a, quite a, um, a swerve ball, you know, from... Uh, <laughs> from uh, from the COVID-19 thing here and and you didn't let it get you down you started uh, focusing on it and you're and actually you're still working on this uh, a lot as if it's whether late hours guys are putting in in fact the office is still open we are still open until nine o'clock this evening so we're still here (laughs) and and that that is and that really speaks to the spirit of um, of a of an off uh, uh, not fully appreciated phrase of public service so I want to thank you both, and please pass on your team my, my personal thanks and congratulations of being great public servants to the people of Guam. And uh, with that, uh, that will end our, sh- our show for tonight. Um, this is the Data Hub with Tyrone Titano. Um, we, we can tune in every Tuesday night from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, here on News Talk K57 and simulcast on GTA Channel t- uh, 3 and Docomo Channel 2. It's been great having you uh, on board listening to the show. I hope it's been helpful. And I'll see you next Tuesday on the Data Hub with Tyrone Titan. See you next Tuesday.